What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash Tales from Tech Support. I remembered that time. So, we started on our other channel, our, our big family channel. That's mainly what it's going to revolve around, you know, a lot of people in a regular size house. We did our first video, kind of, eh, it's, you know, it is what it is. Everybody's learning as we go. It was more of a talking head video, sort of a, like I tend to ramble, we both rambled together just doing the channel intro, and, uh, so, it's alright. I'm working on the second video, which is all about how we shop for a bigger family. Well, I was shooting B-roll when my wife and one of my daughters was shopping the other day at Sam's Club and Walmart. And, uh, well, they both have a policy that you're not allowed to film while you're in their store. And I was discreet, and I got some good B-roll footage, but, you know, I'm kind of a self-conscious guy anyway when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know, I don't want to do anything that makes me stand out while I'm out in a crowd other than having the mop on my face. But you know what I mean. And uh, I couldn't really get some of the shots that I wanted, but uh, but I got a little gadget today. So we're going to try these out. They look simple as all get out. <laughs> They're polarized lenses. Uh, I guess they don't look awful. Uh, a little little too hipster for my taste, but whatever. Uh, but right here, you can probably see it if the light hits it just right. Uh, there's a lens. So I can just basically point and shoot. And get some B-roll footage. The quality is not as good as uh, my cell phone shoots or any of my other cameras for that matter. But uh, I think it'll be passable with enough light. Uh, most of those stores are lit up pretty well during the day. Because they want all their customers to be able to find those products. But uh, yeah. So I think it's a good way to push the limits without totally pushing the limits. And uh, they do hurt my ears a little bit. I'm going to have to find some kind of cushions to go on my ears. The only time I wear glasses is if I got to drive for 15 hours or uh, do a lot of reading but uh yeah so i'll let you know how those work out might even do a review at some point on them on another channel but uh or whatever i'll just tell you at the beginning of one of my other videos since i like to ramble anyway yeah. all right guys let's get to the tech support help the storage system's overloaded i was reminded of this technical genius resolution today but it's something i think about regularly where two wrongs can make a right I was working at a client that had a large storage system, SAN, that was running badly. When we looked at the storage volumes, you could see very high latency, particularly on writes. We noticed that it seemed to be legacy systems such as Windows 2003 and old Linux boxes that were on VMware VMs. It turned out on the NetApp, SAN did not like the old disk alignment settings, Win 2003 offset being 63. What? Which meant that each disk write could end up causing three writes to the SAN. We had three choices, realign the disk to match the SAN alignment, move the data to another disk, or retire the system. For some systems, none of those options worked because we could never get downtime, or the data set was just too large, etc. A fellow engineer discovered a feature on the NetApp SAN that allowed you to create a misaligned LUN, 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 bleh. Man, this is getting too hard for me, guys. <laughs> I'm going to say LUN. I'm probably wrong, but that's what I'm going to say. What is presented to the compute system? And we could then move these problematic systems to this with VMware, which canceled out the misalignment. It felt so wrong doing it, but it worked flawlessly, and reduced the load on the SAN massively. We turned around a situation where a customer was angry about SAN performance to a well-functioning system without any additional hardware. So sometimes in IT, two wrongs can make a right. Okay, go ahead and get it out of your system. Which way is it pronounced? Because if I said L-U-N, somebody's going to yell at me for doing that too. I know it's an acronym, so somebody's got to have a name for it already. Anyway, I've been in situations like that in other circumstances outside of tech support where, uh, yeah, two wrongs do make a right. 
it it feels wrong. You feel icky. You need a shower when you're done. But uh, you muddled through it, got it done, and things actually worked out okay. So if it turns out so well, is it really wrong? My ink is too light. Also, my printer might be on fire. Fix the ink. I work in remote tech support for medical centers. One day I got this call. C equals client, me equals me. Me. Hello, this is OP with company support. Thanks for holding. Customer. My printer's being weird. I sigh internally. Good morning to you too, lady. Me. I'm sorry to hear that. Can I get started with your name and phone number, please? We spend a minute going through the motions and I open a ticket. She gives me the info to connect to her computer remotely. And while it's loading, I ask for more info on her printer's weirdness. Customer. Well, there's two issues. First, I literally just replaced the ink with a fresh container. Brand new out of the package. But everything's still printing really faint. Just like the ink was before I replaced it. I think it's the computer's fault. And I just wasted money getting new ink when I didn't even need it. Me. That's definitely odd. Let me see what print previews look like. What's the second issue? Customer. Oh, the printer smells kind of weird. I pause. Me. Smells weird? How? Customer. Like smoky or something. <laughs> Me. Smoke like burning? Customer. Yeah, like that. Why does the print preview look clear, but it's faded when I print it? At this point, my hands are off the keyboard and instead cradling my forehead. Why me? Me. Ma'am, is the printer smoking? Customer. Um, no. Why? Me. If the printer isn't too hot, I need you to unplug it immediately. Customer. Seriously? You're going to tell me to turn it on and off again? As if I haven't already tried that? Seriously? Me. No, ma'am. I'm asking you to remove the printer from the power source. Do not turn it back on. Customer. What? Why? How is that supposed to fix the ink? She's full on whining at this point, and I'm trying to figure out how to tell a grown woman that smoke equals fire and fire equals bad. Me. Have you unplugged the printer? Customer. Yes, yes, but why? Me. If you can smell smoke coming from the printer, then my assumption is that the smell must be coming from something inside the printer, yes? The smell of smoke generally comes from things that are burning. If we leave that burning, we risk it spreading to other parts of the printer, including the paper, which is highly flammable. We're currently trying to mitigate the risk of causing a fire. There's a very long pause, long enough that I have to double check that she hasn't hung up on me. Customer. Uh, oh. Me. Yeah, so do you have an on-site IT? Customer. Uh, yeah, he's just in a meeting. Me. Okay, I'd recommend having him assess the printer immediately, and if the smell continues or worsens, please keep in mind that your local fire department is likely best equipped to deal with an actual device fire. Customer. Right. Okay, sure. And what should I do with the ink? I'm about to bang my head on my desk. Me. If the ink continues to be an issue after the smoke smell is resolved, feel free to give us a call back. Customer. But you can't fix it today? <laughs> me. The printer needs to be powered on for me to perform troubleshooting, unfortunately. Customer. We can't even turn it on for a few minutes? Me. That would be extremely unsafe and I wouldn't be comfortable with it. No. Customer size. Fine. I guess I'll get our IT guy to figure it out. Click. How do people get through life not knowing that smoke equals fire and fire plus lots of paper equals bigger fire? P.S. I checked her account later and she did not, in fact, call back for help with the ink. That smell means something's burning. Whether it's, you know, a slow burn, things just getting heated up, but if they're getting heated up to the point where you can smell them, odds are something's going to burn. So, uh, yeah. Fire bad? I tend to be really paranoid about electrical smells uh, from, you know, any kind of equipment, extension cords. You know, even when the toaster heats up some mornings, I get that, that warm smell and I'm like, Ooh, wait a minute, what's that? 
because you know I've seen where I haven't had it happen personally, but I've seen where electrical fires can start in an outlet, in an extension cord, you know, in a piece of equipment, and you don't know anything until it's too late and half your kitchen's on fire or something. And that's just not something I'm prepared to deal with during. I'd rather you know hit it off at the pass. So I'll be paranoid. Thank you very much. And then my brain started making random associations. User says she can't print. There are network issues at her site yesterday, but they're all up now. Everyone else can print, even to the printer she's trying to print to. Uptime is less than 90 minutes, so I start everything else. Printer troubleshooter, which mentions network issues. I can't ping the printer either, which I note has an IPv6 address. Odd, but I'm new here, so maybe not unexpected. Remove and re-add the printer. Went off without issue. Release and renew flush DNS. Return the printer troubleshooter. Nothing new. Restart printer spooler service. Restart server service. Stop print spooler. Clear the spooler. Start the spooler. Nothing. My boss walks in and I give him the short version. No, he says they should not be on IPv6. He tells me to check something on the print server. I remote into the server and something clicks in my brain. Random facts start associating themselves in the way that only happens when you've been working on a ticket for about an hour. Can the user ping the domain controller? Turns out, no, they could not ping the DC. Because they were on the public Wi-Fi, not the internal Wi-Fi. So I'm assuming the public Wi-Fi only has limited access to things on the network. Uh, basically just web browsing, getting your email, things like that. Which would naturally be a problem if you're trying to print to your own printers and print servers and whatever else. Uh, yeah. So somebody goofed those settings up, I guess. Maybe. If you don't understand hypervisors, don't use them. Like a pig on a tightrope. Oh, there's a vision. This happened a ways back. One of my guys was doing an install with a customer. We allow customers to bring your own server, which is a whole other ball of wax that I could go on and on about. Anyway, this particular customer wanted us to set up a Hyper-V virtual machine. That's fine, I've done lots of Hyper-V deployments before my dumbass got promoted. My employee finally reaches out. Boss, I've been racking my brain on this virtual machine and it just won't receive any connections from clients. So I hop onto his remote session. I'm checking for anything my guy missed. I'm getting really stumped. Try pinging. Get a response. Try to test the actual ports we need with the telnet. Nothing. My guy spent a day and a half stuck with a system that won't talk to the clients. Finally, I start digging in the Hyper-V console and checking the virtual switches. Oh, that looks good. Finally, I fire up PowerShell on the host and do an IP config all. Then I notice it. The customer shared the vSwitch interfaces with the host, which normally wouldn't be a problem. Then decided to set the Windows Server interface to the exact same IP as the Linux guest. So I say in chat on the remote session, these IPs have to be different from guests. We had a good old fashioned IP address conflict. The customer gives me two IPs that I can use. I set the host to these new addresses and voila, just as if by magic, the VM and our software is happily communicating with the clients. However, the customer had to be their own worst enemy. Before I could end my remote session, the customer reopens the network settings for the two interfaces and begins setting the exact same IPs as the guest. Again, I'm screaming at my monitor, what are you doing, stop! I frantically flail my mouse over the remote window and start smacking escape to put an end to this madness. I finally get on the chat and say, hey, you're breaking it again. Setting the host to the same IP as the guest is just like having two physical machines with the same IP. I guess my second time telling him got through and the rest of the deployment went uneventful, but delayed. <laughs> I don't understand the pig on a tightrope reference but whatever but i do sort of understand a little bit you can't have not everything can have the same ip address so uh yeah i don't know why but i do know that that can't happen it's been beat into me so uh at least i got that part
in for a shopping cart ride. I work at a small hosting company. This story hails back to shortly after I had started and when I still believed everyone more or less related to the IT industry to be an expert. The story started rather generic. And our website is slow and your server is to blame ticket. The server didn't exhibit high load or other unusual behavior. And my impression was that the site, a web shop, was loading quite quickly. So I contacted the customer who clarified it was not the whole site being slow but only the shopping cart. I asked the customer to redirect the issue to his developer because a server issue would most likely affect all parts of the site. A week later, the customer returned. His developer had insisted it must be a server problem, and a second developer had agreed with his assessment. I was asked to make haste in fixing the issue, because the stopping cart problems... Stopping or shopping? I don't know. The cart problems were having noticeable effects on the sales made. I still did not see a server issue, but if two independent developers insist it's our fault, then I guess it is? Cue me requesting a dummy customer account and diving into debugging. Nothing out of the ordinary on the server. The PHP process finished their work in a flash. But I could confirm the cart exhibited abysmal performance, as soon as at least one item was added to it. My boss gave me a tip to check the load timings in the browser. What's loading? How long? Initially with the thought about some external JavaScript from a suddenly slow server. The direction my boss pointed in was half correct. When checking the timings, I saw the vast majority was spent during the DOM rendering. DOM. Whatever. After a little more poking around, I found the culprit. Each article in the cart had a drop down for the amount, because sometimes you need 2 or 30 of a certain item. This drop down just had two problems. Each number was added on the fly via JavaScript. The numbers went from 1 to 10,000. Mind you, this was a time before Windows XP reached its end of life date, so PCs were quite a bit slower. And 10,000 iterations of adding a new element to the drop down for each article in the cart took a good bit of time. I verified the findings with my boss because, you know, I was the new guy and didn't want to step on the toes of any experts that had been in IT far longer, but my boss quickly agreed this was the problem. I contacted the customer and presented my findings, and the customer swiftly reduced the maximum amount you could order to 100. He also loudly wondered which clown, <laughs> his choice of words, not mine, had set it to 10,000 because they wouldn't have this many in stock for the vast majority of products. He also made some strong remarks about how two independent developers had not found this issue. A week later, a thank you package with expensive wine and chocolate arrived at our office, and my personally most important takeaway was, there are experts, and then there are experts. I will probably never in my life claim to be an expert about anything. I find that I'm setting myself up the moment something even remotely close to that comes out of my mouth. If I claim to be an expert and I start goofing up, then it makes me look worse than if I had just said, yeah, I'm pretty good at this, let me take a look, or whatever. I mean, I know I can charge more for things if I say I'm an expert, but really, I do a pretty decent job, uh, I'm not infallible, and I set my rates accordingly. So, what are you going to do? It's about communication. This morning, one of our apps went down. As we worked on it, we sent out this email to the staff. To all, the XYZ app is down and we are in the process of repairing it. It might take a couple hours to fix. While it is down, you cannot do X, Y, or Z with the app. You'll need to use the backup way. About 20 minutes after the email, we get a ticket. XYZ app is down. It's giving this message. <laughs> we respond. Yes, thank you for the ticket. It is noted that it is down and we are currently working on it. Response in the ticket. If you knew it was down, you should communicate that with the people who use it. At that point, I just put the ticket in a waiting repair status. I didn't know how to answer without sounding like a jerk. Communication is a two-way street. We told you in an email it was down. I can't read the email for you. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. 
Love it when people get all arrogant and stuff like that. And you come to find out that they never even looked at their email or text message or voicemail, whatever they got, whatever the communication was, they tend to ignore all that stuff and then, you know, act like a moron later complaining that you didn't let them know. I think the clowns from the last story might be related to the clown from this story. All right, guys. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. I hope you enjoyed the stories. And if you did, do me a favor. If you're on YouTube, give me a thumbs up. Leave a comment down below. And if you're on one of the many myriad of podcast formats where you can find Uncle Reddit, most of them, I believe you can leave a review, at least on Spotify from what I'm told. I haven't gone in and tested this yet. But if you can, do me a favor. Leave me a review. And uh, if you can leave a comment on that review, do that too so that maybe I can see that everything's working. And if there's no way to do that, let me know here on the YouTube channel too. Uh, pop on over here, leave a comment. That way I kind of know. Or you can email me at llc at gmail.com and uh, let me know there. Either way, I appreciate you guys being here. See ya.